Welcome to America's Top Rebbitsons. May this class be for Rafu Shalema for Tanya Batavora. I am so excited to have on the podcast today, Rebbitson Goldie Plotkin. Rebbitson Plotkin is a special guest from Canada. Together with her husband, Abraham Plotkin, the couple run the Chabad of Markham in Thornhill, Ontario. They have a thriving community in Shul with one of the largest memberships in Canada. Kohakavod, congratulations. Rebbitson Plotkin is also the director of the Torah Tats Preschool. Wow, that's a lot. <laughs> Please tell us a little bit more about yourself and what you do. Well, I take great pride being a mom of eight and a grandmother of many, Baruch Hashem, Kayubu, and just healthy, healthy grandchildren. And that's really my biggest pride. I'm, I'm a co-director with my husband of Chabad Markham, and I've recently become a life and marriage coach during COVID. So that's been taking me on another uh, trajectory. Wow, amazing. Wow. Um, yeah, it's been really fascinating because as a, as a shlucha, as a rebbitzin, you're really doing a lot of counseling as it is. But this gave me more the professionalism and the lingos and a lot of the um, information and ideas that maybe I wouldn't have known otherwise. So this was something, a journey that I took. I had wanted to do this many years, but time didn't allow. COVID came and I figured I'll make good time, you know, and use my time valuable. That was very productive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I know that one of the things that you're passionate about teaching women is to bring um, the Shehina, Hashem's presence, into the Jewish home through intimacy. And this is a fascinating topic. I feel like it's really not talked about too much. And it's such an important topic. And um, you often speak about the link between the amount of blessing in someone's home and the intimacy between a husband and wife. And I'm just so curious about this. Please tell us more about the connection between spiritual blessings and marital intimacy. So... Contrary to popular belief, you know, there's an actually interesting saying, as if it's a crystal zich, zich, that the way the Christian world goes, so do the Jews. And what that really means is that we are our view, viewpoint, and sometimes our observations of our traditions become very secularized by the way Western civilization sees it. So if the Christian world looks at intimacy and marriage and zivug as, you know, not clean or just for the layman or not holy, that's how we as Jews begin to believe that. And that is so that much the antithesis of who we are as Jews. First of all, the first mitzvah of the Torah is to prove to be married and to have a husband and to start a family. Having said that, it's not just about having children. The marriage itself connotates the gathering together of the two souls, which is called the connection of the soulmates. Many people use that in the word basheret, right? When they go to a wedding, they'll go, oh, this is such a basheret. What is the basheret? That the two souls, a little female soul that had come down to the world and a male soul actually look for each other for 20, 30, sometimes 40 years to be able to emerge, and then to reunite together. And that reunification becomes one of the main purposes of the world. And God looks at this unification of the chatan and kala, the husband and wife, as a moment of great joy and great shechina. And when a husband and wife actually celebrate the coming together in the physical way, not just in a spiritual way, but physically, so that moment, our 
tradition tells us, Shechina Shroya Benehem. That when does the Shechina enter their home? Literally when the couple have intimacy. Why? Because we know one of God's names is Shalom. God rests where there is peace. That's why there's so much talk about Shalom Bayit, bringing peace and harmony in the home. We're told that Aaron HaKohen, the high priest, his main focus was bringing Shalom Bayit between couples. Wow. So that is really our job, our responsibility, bringing peace into our home. And Hashem says, and when there is Shalom in your home, that's where I will rest. So Shalom Bayit takes place in the dining room, in the family room, in the toy room. But it really happens mostly in the bedroom, which we know today is referred to as the Kodesh Kedashim. You know, Vera, that when the temple was destroyed, God said, build me a temple in your home. Right. Where's Hashem rest? Today in our home. Not in the synagogue. In our home. The Bet Mikdash is in our home. We have the kitchen. We have the family room, the living room. Each room is a different part of the Bet Mikdash. There's the Heichal, there's the Kodesh. But where's the Kodesh Kodeshim? In the bedroom. Ah, <laughs> bedroom. Why? What happens in the bedroom? In the bedroom, we have the two cherubs, symbolically, that are on the ark. Symbolically, those two cherubs were facing each other. And we're told when the Jews were following the Torah and Hashem was pleased with the Jewish people, the cherubs were facing each other. But you know, there's something very fascinating that Talmud tells us. Tell me if you heard of this. We're told that right before the Bet HaMikdash was destroyed and the enemies came in to destroy the Bet HaMikdash and they destroyed all the great holy pieces from the menorah and the, ta- the, the shohan, the table, the mizbeach, the altar. But then they went into the Kodesh Kodeshim and they were shocked at what they saw. They saw the cherubs we're in a state of coitus. Wow, I've never heard that. Intimacy. <laughs> Look wow. it up in the Talmud. Okay. <laughs> I wish I had the page for you. If my husband walks in in a minute, I'll get a few. <laughs> and in this state, the enemies walk in and they go, what is going on here? Is this your holiest place? And we're told that the Kohanim said, this is where the greatest love of Hashem to the Jewish people transpires, and so it is reflected in our home. Vera, you and I both know that when there are challenges in a relationship and they'll go to a therapist or a marriage counselor, they'll tell them, or they'll ask them, how is your intimacy in your home? How is the intimacy in your bedroom? Mm -hmm. Because it starts from the Kodesh Kodeshim. When the relationship in the Kodesh Kodeshim is tight and it's connecting and it's whole and it's beautiful, and it's loving, then that blessing extends to the rest of the home, to the rest of the family. And being married ourselves, we know that when we are happy and content and connected, our children see it and they feel it, and they're being raised in a home that's loving and respectful and warm. And such children grow up to be also loving, connected people. But I need to say, a very strong caveat, that Hashem still, still rests in our home, regardless if there isn't a couple that's having this relationship. There are some single family homes. There are some couples that have lost a spouse. So does that mean God doesn't come into the home? No, as I alluded to earlier, 
Hashem rests in a home where there's shalom. Right. So anything that brings shalom into the home, any atmosphere of shalom brings Hashem in. Think about the mezuzah on your door. Every mezuzah on our door has a very interesting angle. It's on an angle. Right, exactly. <laughs> Why is the mezuzah on an angle? Mezuzah should be straight. So what does our tradition teach us? Very, very interesting shalom bayit tidbit right here. Some rabbis said the mezuzah has to be diagonal, vertical. The other one said it's got to be horizontal. So to come to a compromise, they said, let's put the mezuzah diagonal. Why? Because that shows compromise. Amazing. It's your way. It's my way. Let's compromise and let's do it our way. And so before a couple walk into their room, they look at the mezuzah and remind themselves, compromise, shalom. We want Hashem's blessing in his house. We want bracha, hatzlacha, parnasa, gezunt, naches. We need Hashem's shrina. And by the way, shrina is a feminine right. yes. term for God. Mm-hmm. So that invites Hashem into our home. It's so beautiful. It's so, so beautiful what you're saying. I love it. I love it. And so powerful. It really is because you really can bring beautiful blessings, abundant blessings into your home through the shalom that you have with your husband. And um, I know that we're talking specifically now about physical intimacy, but, you know, sometimes there are situations where, God forbid, a husband and a wife, they're not able to have marital relations. I mean, it could be due to a physical illness, a mental illness, an accident, you know, some kind of devastating injury or any other kind of extenuating circumstance that prevents a couple from actually being physically intimate. Right. I mean, how can a couple under those particular circumstances and conditions achieve that the beautiful intimacy and blessing that you were talking about? So as I mentioned, it's not only through the act of intimacy, but it's the way we speak to one another. It's the way we think of one another. You know, we know that words are so powerful. The, um, Shlomo Mel, King Solomon tells us, that life and death are on the tip of the tongue. What does that mean? He's basically telling us something that is so powerful and should be obvious, but that our tongue carries tremendous weight. It can raise or it, God forbid, could break. We can encourage a spouse or um, unfortunately, we can also lower the self-esteem of a spouse just by words. And as I mentioned, I'm a preschool director. So I actually have sheets of paper in the classrooms with words of affirmation for our two three-year-olds that my teachers use on a regular basis. Lifting the child, a child spills paint or they spill their, it's never about, why did you do that? You know, look what you did. You're such a klutz. It's about, oh, wow, look, the drink just spilled. How can we clean that up together? You know, always a positive twist. And in our relationship, so important to use the right words. You know, the word encourage has the word courage in it. Yes. Teaching us that when we encourage others, We're giving them courage. Words of affirmation are such an important component of Shalom Bayit. And when we use them properly, we can literally create leaders, our children, our spouses, and anyone that we're close to. I'll tell you something interesting. Again, the Talmud tells us that God created 10 kavim of speech, 10 levels of speech. And women took nine. (laughs) I believe it. <laughs> That's a really interesting. Oh, so 
it's an interesting insight into the human condition, but what it's teaching us is something very powerful. We women have the gift of communication. That's why we can connect with women. You know, you could go to a bar mitzvah after one evening, you know everything about the women at your table, where they come from, where they're going, what they're doing, how many children, where the kids are married, where they live, what camps they went to, what school they go. In one bar mitzvah. It's so true. And you come home and you ask your husband, how was your bar mitzvah? And he'll say it was good. And who you sit next to? A couple of guys. I don't know. I recognize them from the show. Names? I don't know. Were they? Well, you know? And we think, oh, wow, it's just me. No, it's women. Hashem gave us this ability to connect. But that comes with a massive, massive responsibility. Because with the gift of gab also comes the responsibility of speech. Yes. Making sure that our words are sensitive and uplifting and words of courage. I think Mark Twain said, I could live on one compliment for two months. Yes. Mm -hmm. You know, do we, do we compliment enough a spouse? Do we take those words and, and bring that home into a place of Kedusha? Because we know Hashem wants to live in a place where there's positive energy, words of Torah, but just words between husband and wife brings Hashem into the world into our home that's beautiful that is i mean and it's so powerful and also it's practical you know you, you don't have to go buy anything you have to you don't have to go sign up for anything all you have to do is give a compliment look for the good in the other person it's so simple and so doable very very doable and it's free like you said it's free yes it's free that, that's the best part <laughs> that's the best part um but you know sometimes you know, when you're in a marriage, when you're, when you're married to a husband, when you see him day in and day out, you know, sometimes as women, we just get annoyed with our husbands. I mean, yeah. I yeah. know that I know that Shalom peace um, extends into the bedroom and for sure it's 100 percent. But, you know, husbands and wives need to take time to connect to each other as spouses. But as women, it can be challenging to connect with your spouse when you feel, feel angry at him for not picking up the dry cleaning like you promised or leaving his socks on the floor right next to the hamper. Again, after you asked them to put him in the hamper a million times. And there's so many things about our husbands that rub us the wrong way. And, you know, sometimes we start thinking, maybe if I was married to somebody else, things would be happier, things would be better, things would be easier. And we don't always realize that Hashem, that God handpicked our spouses specifically for us. And he gave us our spouses so that we can learn and grow from them so that we can become better people because of them and not in spite of them. Um, I feel like appreciating our husbands gives us more of a desire to be intimate with them if we can accomplish that appreciation and we can thereby bring blessings into our home. And I was wondering if maybe you can give us women some tips about how to live with their husbands in Shalom so that the marriage can go stronger, even you know, if we're annoyed at him daily, even for the little things that he does. So you just touched on something that is I'm very, very passionate about. So uh, my husband and I are actually working on a book now. It's the six, six love languages or the six secrets to a fulfilling and loving marriage. And the base of this book, actually, we were inspired by a book called The Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman. Uh, Gary Chapman. Yes. And we, we really, we took those love languages and we've really transported it into a Jewish world, into Jewish thought. And the premise of his book is that we all come into a marriage with our love tank full. Yes. Right? Every bride and groom, like 99.9% .9 of brides walk down the aisle, love their chatan. They love him. And if you tell them that, you know, in a year from now, he might 
upset you with his socks by the hamper and she'll go, never, I love him. I'll overlook everything. So the analogy I like to give is a friend of mine who got a Mercedes for her 50th birthday. And her husband left it in the driveway with a big ribbon and he gave her the keys and he goes, honey, go take a spin. And she drives down the 407, which is a big highway here. And after like 10 minutes, the car stops and she calls her husband. She goes, what? Honey, I think you got a lemon. I mean, this is not a cheap car. How did it? So her husband goes, wait, did you check the gas tank? So, you, so she goes, oh, you're right. It's an empty. So she calls the CAA and they pull her into the gas station and she quickly goes and fills up the tank. But what she doesn't know is that a Mercedes needs special gasoline. Yeah. She just takes the regular unleaded, some kind of diesel, fills it up and continues on her merry way. Well, 10 minutes later, bing, bang, bam, the whole car is exploding and she jumps out and she says to her husband, honey, what's the deal with the car? He goes, what kind of gas did you put in? And the reason I'm giving this analogy is because every one of us came to the marriage with our gas tank full yes. and it was with the right kind of gas and we were gonna drive off into sunset for eternity. However, every car, needs to be refilled on a constant basis with the right gas. If we think we're coming into a marriage and it's going to just be smooth sailing from here, we're wrong. And that's where we're going to hit that dead end that you were just describing. But if we wake up every morning and husbands and wives know that I have to refill my spouse's tank, I got to refill it. So what I love about that book is that they give you five ways to refill the tank. It could be words of affirmation. It could be acts of service. It could be gifts. It could be uh, quality time or it could be physical touch, right? You And there's a test you take. And I'm not kidding. It's a great test. And after you take this test, you know, you know what? My wife, she's been a little bit upset lately. I wonder if I filled up her tank. She needs words of affirmation. I haven't given her a compliment in a month. What's wrong with me? No wonder she's upset. Her husband comes home angry and she's shocked. This happy, jo jolly guy now comes home grumping. Wait, has he had physical intimacy in the last few weeks? What's going on? So we have to be very practical. Let's look at what is the language of our spouse and fill it up. Do you know, Vera, what the Hebrew word for giving is? Uh, I know gift is matana. Right, but to give, it's actually from that root. To give, it's a uh, palindrome. Maybe that's a hint for you. Natan. Okay, yes, I have that, yes. Okay, Natan means to give. And notice it's a palindrome. Nun, tough nun. Mm -hmm. You can read it both ways. Why is that? God is telling us. First of all, Lashon Kodesh, Hebrew, teaches us so many values. The value of Natan is this. When you give to someone, you get back. Shlomo Melech says, Kamayim haponim haponim. The image that you give to the water is the image that the water gives you back. So when your husband comes in from work and there's a smile, you will get that back. That's human. That's the human condition, unless there's a serious issue. And if the husband comes home from work with a face of broigus and angry, the wife sees that same face. So it's not like when you walk in and you had a miserable day, you have to be cheery and smiley and pretend everything's good. But just the first 30 seconds, 
Let them be positive. And that natan, that giving of that kindness and that cheeriness and that beauty and that smile will be responded back. So when we do, when we fill up our husband's tank, if he's a mensch, and most people are, they'll fill it back because that's the nature of a human. But it's when they're depleted, it will take a long time to replenish. You know, sometimes when, you ha- when your gas is on empty, you think, oh, I'll just put in $3 because I don't have cash on me. But those $3 aren't going to get you going. You need to fill it up to get the car started again. And it's the same thing in a relationship. If our marriage has been on the rocks for a long time, you need a lot of the five love languages. And slowly, slowly, just keep giving give a gift, give a nice supper, give a smile, give a nice hug, give a warmth, give a great meal. And slowly the husband's like, something's going on here. I gotta respond, I gotta respond. I need to. And it might be breaking of a big ice, but slowly, slowly it will penetrate. Listen, what did Rabbi Akiva teach us? He said, water dripping on a stone for 40 years, it can make a dent. For sure, yes. And I believe sometimes Vera, a therapist, a coach can help jumpstart, right? Sometimes you need the AAA to jumpstart. But keep in mind that people don't want to be spiteful. People don't want to be hateful and angry. People like to be in a loving, nurturing place. For sure. Yes, definitely. Yeah. You know what? You know, as you're saying it, it, I mean, it takes effort. It definitely takes effort. You know, like sometimes... You know, if your husband comes home and he really had a bad day, he had a long day at work, this one, this, this thing went wrong with the, this employee, this, the boss was angry, the client, the client didn't show up or did the wrong thing or whatever. And he's so upset and he's so upset and he comes in with, you know, just so angry. And I feel like you're right. The first, it's the called, I guess it's called the point of contact. When he first comes in, the point of contact. Hi, how are you? How was your day? I have dinner ready for you. Or if you don't. What would you like for dinner? You know, something like that. I feel like it can make a difference. You know, I feel like it can. Um, and just so important, but it does, it does involve effort. I just want to, you know, I just want to bring up that point because sometimes you're at home and you're with the kids and the kids are crying and one has to study for a vocabulary test. The other one has trouble in math. The other one has to go to basketball practice or has an event. And it's just like for the wife, it's, it's overwhelming. You know, it does take effort. I just wanted to acknowledge that, you know? It takes a lot of effort. Let me tell you, this is why, women are called Akerata bias because I think Hashem realized that we, we have what it takes because we, we know how to work hard. Listen, we've given birth to children. You know, I was telling the women in shoulder Shabbos, if God gave man the, the ability to have a child, there'd be one per family. <laughs> and, you know, I don't like to make any, you know, kind of uh, statements here, but we women have very, very strong inner cores. So maybe externally, we can't lift 200 pounds, but inside our core is very strong. We can have child after child. We can have challenges. We can have, like you said, a vocabulary test and a basketball game. And this one peed on the floor and this one just broke a cookie jar. But Hashem has given us the ability. I have to tell you also something very important. As I mentioned to you at the beginning, I'm the mother of eight children. Our eighth child was born with Down syndrome and almost like the icing on the cake. And, um, at no point did my husband and I look at Zalmi and say, you know, Zalmi, you better get yourself toilet trained and learn how to walk and figure out how to communicate. Otherwise you're done. We're done with you. 
We'll send you to therapy for about six months, but then it's expensive. You're going. No, no. Because Zalmi, I'll say Oliver Shalom because he passed away three years ago. I'm sorry. I still talk to him. I still talk about him like he's here because he's part of our life. But Zalmi is part of my body, is part of my soul, is part of our family. And we weren't just going to amputate and get rid of him because it was inconvenient. It was expensive. It was a nuisance. Zalmi was given to us. And we knew this was our journey. And this was part of our soul. He was part of our soulmate. Yeah. And yes, let me tell you, I didn't sleep for years because Zalmi didn't sleep for years. And he wasn't trained till he was 11. And, you know, we're the, but the beauty that he gave us and the gift was, yes, it was hard and it was beautiful. And like marriage, it's hard and it could be beautiful. And we're here on a journey and we you know when we're told adam olam yivolad that a person was created to work i mean life isn't one of these hollywood movies that you get into a car and drive off into sunset and and you kiss and make up and like no one has that life that's a fairy tale and that's silly and that's a waste of time to even watch such movies because it makes you feel like those are the kinds of marriages i wanted to aspire to i aspire and i watch marriages i remember as a teenager i was very observant to marriages Wow. And I, it was, it's very interesting, but there were some people that made very, very strong impressions on me, whether I was a camp counselor in camp and I went to Minnesota, or I went to visit people, I would go, I would work there for this, or, you know, and I, I would find these couples and I would just watch how they would communicate and just the way they were speaking to with, with respect and shalom bias and sensitivity and, 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 and I, I looked at those couples and I, and I really, Till today, I, I aspire to, to have that because we all need role models because we're all going to struggle and it's, there's going to be, you know, diaper poos and rashes and, and sicknesses and we're going to, but that's okay. That's what life is. That's what Gullis is. But we still have to work and to build this beautiful bed to Mikdash that Hashem gifted us with. And we have to wake up every morning with Moda'ani and look at what is good what is beautiful and not what went wrong. Maybe the underwear is sitting by the hamper, but we have a home, we have a roof, we have heat, we have running water. We have a husband who's there in the morning to say hello and to say goodbye. We have children that are healthy and even a child, Down syndrome child. And I looked at him, yeah, he was a healthy Downs, you know? And you have to look at, that's what a Jew is, by the way. You know, the word for a Jew is, comes from the Shevet of Yehuda. This right. week's Parsha. This week's Parsha. She she names Yehuda and she says, I want to thank Hashem, show gratitude. Right. And then we are called Yehudim. Mm-hmm. We're not called Shimonim or Reuvenim or Yosefim. We're named after Yehuda. Why? Because the, the, the sign of a Jew is to show Hakaras Hatov, to show Hoda. And the more you do Hoda, the more you do gratefulness, by the way, the more things turn around good. Right. It's showing that appreciation, that gratitude, and like really, really, really honing in on the good and seeing the good, you know, and again, and that takes effort and work too, but it's worth it. I mean, for sure it's worth it, but you know, it does, you know, it makes a big difference in a marriage when you're really looking at the good in your husband, trying to find what he did right versus what he did wrong, which is what he did wrong is so obvious. What he did right, maybe you have to dig a little bit, but it's so, so worth it. I have to tell you something funny. I know we're, we're finished with time. One of my sisters, um, she's, she likes to go, um, 
on Instagram and read different posts from maritals, um, therapists, etc. So every morning she starts off on our on our family group with a piece that's just beautiful. And this and every morning, literally, she and I would recommend that every person that's watching this or listening to this key in or either pick up a marriage book or go online and find something on relationships and read one every morning. And every morning you're going to find a little tidbit that will teach you something about marriage. And it's like, oh, I could do that. Oh, I never thought about that. Today I'm going to do that. And it's a little two seconds, but it gives you a different perspective for your day. This morning she says like this, Spouses merge their worlds in order to make a new world for their own family. In order to do this safely and lovingly, it's important for spouses to recognize that their own way of doing something are simply ways of doing something. They aren't the one and only, the right way, or even the best way. Try to find the best features of each way and use them to create new ways consisting of compromises and blends is more caring and respectful than trying to impose one's preferred way on one's husband. And this happened to me this morning. My husband, like a doll, went and was washing the dishes. It was actually last night. And it was a funny way of washing dishes. He was using a paper towel. <laughs> okay, I obviously use a sponge. And I was about to say, oh, that's a funny way to wash a, a dish. And then I'm like, Goldie, your husband is washing the dishes. Just say thank you. That's right. That's so <laughs> and funny. I said, from now thanks a million for washing the dishes. End of story. Beautiful. It's not his, it's not my way or the highway, right? And it's such, such an important thing. Just because somebody is not doing something the way that you would have it done doesn't mean that it's not going to get done or that, yeah. you know, not putting effort and energy into doing it. I think it's amazing. And we have to show yeah. gratitude for that. I think it's yeah. a really strong point of view. It's really, you know, it's very, yeah. very important. Yeah. Thank you. That's so beautiful. Thank you so much, Rebithin Plotkin, for taking the time to join us in America's Top Rebithins. We really appreciate you being here. And we hope that this class was indeed for Fuwa Shalema for Tanya Batavora. Um, if anyone in the audience has any questions or comments about the podcast, or if anybody would like to sponsor a future podcast, please email us at atrebitsons at gmail.com. That's A-T-R-E-B-B-E-T-Z-I-N-S at gmail.com. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Great meeting you, Vera. Thank you. Nice to meet you too. Thank you, Vera.